Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast here at the Athletic Toronto. I'm your host, Blake Murphy, uh, coming at you a little under the weather, so apologies if my voice sounds sick and stuffed up and sinusy. Uh, there's nothing I can do about it except to skip the podcast, which my co-host, Eric Green, would not let me do. Eric said no. The people need their Raptors Reasonless. We took time off at the All-Star break, and we told them it wouldn't happen again. So you get your ass out of bed, Blake, and you come on Skype, and you do this damn podcast. Eric, thank you so much um, for the kick in the arse that I needed. A man is only as good as his word, Blake. That's true. But I've uh, never claimed to we, be a we, particularly good man, so... How about a boy man? A boy man? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, a boy man is, is, only, is only as good as his word sometimes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Off to a great start. Uh, Eric, doing much better than us of late are the Toronto Raptors. Uh, they have won, <laughs> like, infinity games in a row. They won nine in a row, which is tied for the second longest winning streak in franchise history and two off the franchise record. Uh, prior to that, they had another seven-game winning streak. So they are an overtime loss to Milwaukee. And, you know, if you want to get that granular, maybe a missed foul call on Jonas Valanciunas from having won 17 games in a row. The Toronto Raptors are very good. They've already won 50 games, so 50 and 17, which, you know, it, it seems crazy. And then every game you watch them, you watch them casually destroy the Knicks by 30 or, you know, weather a D'Angelo Russell 24-point first quarter and still win by 15 or even beat the Houston Rockets on Friday in what may, was maybe the game of the year. You know, it becomes – it's easy to retcon that everyone should have expected the Raptors to be this good. Uh, nobody expected the Raptors to be this good. Certainly, you didn't expect the Raptors to be this good this soon, did you? Well, look, like their over/under at the start of the year was forty-seven and a half, right? In terms of wins, so uh, I mean, over/under isn't necessarily an accurate prediction of where uh, you know people think they're gonna they're gonna finish. It's more along the lines of Vegas trying to figure out how they can make the most money. Um, but it, it is a, you know, a ballpark representation of the general consensus out there. And <coughs> pardon me, uh, they're going to outpace that you would figure by at least 10 wins. If, you know, if not, if not more, they could get to 60. Uh, and, you know, I didn't see anybody predicting that whatsoever. whatsoever. I think I had them at 46 or 47 to start the year. Uh, I might have been on the low end, but, you know, that's what happens when you cover multiple uninspiring Raptors playoff runs in a row after covering multiple non-playoff Raptors years in a row. Uh, we all have our biases, Blake. Uh, they've been really good, and the fact that, you know, they can see Russell do what he did and then follow it up with, you know, a worse second quarter, I would say. Like, as you tweeted accurately, like, first quarter, the Nets just hit a bunch of threes and many of them were, you know, pull-up shots by a 31% shooter who was out of his mind. They didn't really have that excuse in the second quarter. They just weren't getting back in transition uh, pretty much. 
But the fact that they can do that and then still sort of make you think that they're going to figure it out is, uh, you know, it's a sign of where this team is at, certainly in the regular season. Uh, it really looks like they're going to uh, cruise to the top seed, which, uh, again, not many people predicted, least of all me. Yeah, uh, I think I had them for a few more wins a year. I think, can't remember if I landed on 49 or 50, but obviously they're going to blow that away too. Um, I think the big thing is, you know, there were questions about the depth, and it's awesome that all the young guys have stepped up. And even if you were optimistic about each of the young guys individually, you know, all of them, except for Norm, except for Norman Powell being good, is somewhere in the, like, 80th to 90th, if not higher, percentile projection for this team. You know, Lowry and DeRozan have been largely healthy. Ibaka's been healthy. JV only missed a little bit of time early and, and then slow, slowly rounded into form. Uh, and now OG's injury. So they've had injury luck. All of the young guys have come along, you know, if not faster than expected at each individual sample, kind of as a group, they all have kind of hit other than Powell. Um, and it wasn't, you know, reasonable to expect all of those things to go that way. And for the system changes to, you know, once they got past that, what were they? They were 11-7 and seven after those losses to New York and Indiana in late November. And after that, they basically had the new system figured out, it seems like. They've pretty much cruised since then. Um, they're what thirty nine and ten. Yeah, since... that's almost eight hundred basketball. Yeah, so I don't think anyone expected you know all of this growth, all <laughs> of this injury luck, and then on top of which an entirely new system to take hold within a month. Um, so people are starting to take notice now, and we're in a weird spot with Raptors fandom where or Raptors coverage where you know they're starting to get attention. John Schumann at NBA.com had them number one in their power rankings. Zach Lowe wrote a terrific piece uh, about the, the Raptors in the big picture the other day at ESPN, which Zach Lowe is want to do. Uh, Dwayne Casey got the Lee Jenkins treatment. Uh, there was that great uh, podcast and breakdown with uh, Rob Mahoney over at Sports Illustrated. Was it Rob Mahoney or Ben Golliver? I can't remember which one of them did the It's Rob breakdown. Mahoney. Okay. Rob Mahoney. That podcast, by the way, is like, if you're an NBA fan, is really excellent. It's... Uh... You know, I know a lot of podcasts are like this one with two people talking to each other and sort of going over the news of the day. And, you know, I listen to many of those podcasts, uh, but that one, uh, it's a bit more artistic and maybe uh, definitely you can see the work that's put into it. I can't recommend it enough. I think it's called Breakaway uh, yeah. with Rob Mahon. The rare so, podcast I actually enjoy. <laughs> um so all of this stuff is kind of happening, um, on top of which, obviously, the coverage here in Toronto uh, remains strong. You have Eric Crean of the Athletic Toronto doing great pieces like his Fred Van Vliet feature. And you have Michael Grange of Sportsnet doing great pieces like his Fred Van Vliet feature. And you have Alex Wong of Vice Sports <laughs> doing great pieces like his Fred Van Vliet feature. Uh, you have James Herbert of CBS Sports, formerly from Toronto, uh, doing great pieces like his Fred Van Vliet feature. Uh, I think Fred VanVleet is like one good game away from either joining this podcast regularly because he's doing media like he has a new album coming out or just swearing off media altogether. Uh, Fred aside, the Raptors have been getting lots of coverage in general. Um, Eric, how do you, I know Raptors fans are always thirsty for that um, U.S. national acknowledgement. And there are still the Colin Cowards and Chris Boussards and Paul Pierce's um, who aren't lending, you know, the credit maybe Raptor, the Raptors feel they deserve. But they're starting to lose some of this prove them underdog edge that they've had for so long because everyone is starting to buy in. Uh, do you have thoughts on that kind of, you know, for so long the Raptors have, 
you know, well, like, like I said, like Will Lou had a good thread uh, yeah. on Twitter yesterday about how thirsty Raptors fans are, and you know they want national recognition in the U.S. more than they even want a title. Um, they're starting to get it. Yeah, I uh, I tweeted yesterday that you know real Raptors fans right now are like, oh, this is going too well. What's going to go wrong? And uh, the mentions were fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, in that, like, you know, there was the occasional one saying, just enjoy this, but most of them were like, yep, that's exactly how I feel. I'm well, waiting for you, the injury. You've only, you can only experience the things you've experienced, and if you're a Raptor yeah. fan, you've experienced a very specific set of things. Yeah, uh, but, I mean, they deserve it. Based on this regular season, they definitely deserve it, and um, I find it a bit off-putting the you know when we're, we're we're combing through how many national television games do we get like we know why they don't get national television games and yeah if you if you become a finals team uh that calculus changes i would imagine but it's sort of this naivete about why things happen and you know that's for ratings and if you extrapolate that like the raptors just, you know, based on their history, based on not having, you know, a super duper star, uh, they aren't the most compelling team to write about and to go in depth about uh, from an American perspective. They also weren't that fun to watch until this year. There's also that. Um, so I think, and the very fact that they've changed that without you know, changing the coach or the two stars or the the president and general manager uh, is a story in itself. And we've we've talked ad nauseum about that. Uh, so I think, you know, it's OK to enjoy this. Uh, you know, this is going to be a historic regular regular season, one that's tough for any team to to uh, do better than, let alone the Raptors, and it should be enjoyed, and it's worth noting. At the same time, you know, let's not pretend that all of a sudden this is going to go to their head and that's going to be their downfall, you know? If if there is a downfall coming sooner than people would like, uh, it will probably be more nuanced than that, because uh, I can already picture the... You know, the Kyle Lowry let this go to his head tweets, and uh, I just don't want to deal with them. So I'm preemptively those, cutting them off. I got one of those about Fred Van Vliet yesterday. And of all the guys to accuse of that. Like, Fred Van Vliet was talking like this <laughs> when I talked to him as an undrafted free agent at Summer League two years ago. Like, he was yeah. still saying things like, you know, talking, yeah. He was still being friends. Other, other players suck. I'm great. <laughs> Basically. But, yeah, team, but, teams have know, now brought up in, in less stupid. In more ways than that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that, uh, was, that was a great quote. So James, James Herbert's piece with him was a QA. and a And um, James asked him about whether teams are starting to scout him and, and kind of prepare for him. And Fred's answer was basically, yeah, unless they're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. there's some good quotes on this team too this year, which is, uh, which is nice for our sake. So, you know, my, my general thing is enjoy it, take it for what it is. It doesn't fundamentally change what this team is doing. It doesn't make it more legitimate. The results in the postseason will or will not make it 
more legitimate. Uh, and even still, that shouldn't take away with what they're doing in the regular season. I mean, they're now 30-2 and two against under 500 teams. Uh, after years of watching this team spit up stupid games, uh, that's pretty remarkable and, and goes to – it's a credit to the coaching staff, obviously, and also the um, the focus with which this team is playing because, uh, you know, they, they obviously haven't put together four quarters. You know, they, they only put together sort of two last night, uh, Tuesday night. But uh, – and it's hard to put together four quarters every night or else, you know – the league would be very different, but the the general level of focus they come with every night is something to be uh, praised and enjoyed. Yeah, and that that's you know they're taking care of lesser teams is another reason maybe their win totals higher than people thought. It's just because you have when you look at the schedule, you know you can't assume the better team's going to win every game. Otherwise, Golden State would go eighty two and zero. You know the Raptors would be eighty and two. Houston would be. 78 and 4 or 76 and 6 or whatever. 76 and 6, yes. It doesn't work that way. So when you price in losses for a team, you know, you expect to lose more than two games against sub-500 teams. That hasn't been the case. Yeah, uh, looking I think, ahead, sorry. Go, I think they have five left, uh, five left against 500 teams, uh, or under 500 teams, uh, and man, if they go 35 and 2 or whatever, that'd be... Pretty damn impressive. Yeah, they do have five left. Uh, two against the Magic, which, uh, you know, that's the Magic. Uh, one more against the Nets, Pistons, and Dallas on Friday. Dallas is on yeah. the second night of a back-to-back, though, and Dallas beat them once already, so, you know. Trap game. Sure. They're all, look, <laughs> or, when, you, when you're 50 something. and 17, they're all trap games. Everyone is worse than you yeah. except for Golden State right now. Yeah. Um, wow. And, you know, Houston has a better record, but... Yeah, season series speaks volumes. Uh, we'll talk about that game in just a second. Uh, you mentioned obviously that this team will still be measured in the playoffs. I feel like we should address this because I'm getting I've been getting a lot of questions about it on Twitter. Uh, I think I know your answer. The Raptors have a four game lead on the one seed with 15 games to go. Uh, two games left against Boston. If they split those, they would seem almost a certainty to lock up the one seed, even if they were to drop both of them and give Boston the tiebreaker. Uh, Boston might be running out of time with the injuries that they have to catch up. But the relevant to your tweet about what could go wrong for Raptors fans, uh, people have started to stress now that Cleveland has fallen to fourth. The East is too tight to really start looking at um, who is going to fall in what position. Indiana is currently in third. Miami's in eighth. But they're separated by only four games, uh, third and eighth. So you have no idea who you're going to draw in the first round, who you're going to draw in the second round, third round. Um, third round, you have an idea that it's probably Boston or Cleveland, but uh, we'll see with injuries. So you don't really know. Uh, are you paying any mind to the standings? Like, are you are you of the mind that you're really hoping Cleveland falls to six seven if they're not three, or is it just kind of uh, you know you have to face LeBron at some point anyway? So look, there's only there's only one answer, and it is to rest Kyle and Demar and the entire bench. In the two games left against Cleveland, that's what you have to do. Okay. You have to give them those wins. Are we sure and... that that would give Cleveland the wins? Because we've seen Malcolm Miller and Nigel Hayes, uh, and Lorenzo. <laughs> we've seen point. Lorenzo Brown against the Cavs, and and he did well in that yeah. game. I don't know, man. Well, the the good news is it's a schedule alert game. The first one, True, so. 
Yeah, so it's going to be tough for the Raptors to win that one based on uh, the work that ESPN has been uh, doing. Uh, I am paying attention, uh, but it goes back to you know worrying about things that are under your control. Like I, I you know, it's ultimately true that they are probably unless Cleveland's, you know, collapses for real and they don't get healthy, uh, going to have to deal with the Cavs at some point in the postseason. Uh, so while, you know, for my sake and for Raptors fans' sake, I would prefer it to be in the third round versus the second round, although you can make a case that competitively it's better to catch them earlier rather than later because this is a team that is still gelling and it's a team with health issues that will only further that need to uh, create chemistry uh, just for the sake of the run. Maybe you'd like it to be in the third round. Uh, but, I, you know, uh, ultimately you have to beat them. So control what you can control and whatever else happens is going to happen. And I don't think it's worth, you know, stressing over too much. Uh, the Raptors are going to continue to win. Like, it's going to be difficult for them to not finish first at this point. Uh, and I think that's basically all there is to it. Uh, saying that, you know, I understand, like, you know, I understand from a fan's point of view and from the team's point of view why you'd rather that happen later rather than earlier. Makes sense to me. How about uh, you? Yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. I don't. I'm honestly, it's so tight that I'm not concerned with it. I'm not looking at oh, you got to beat Indiana twice and lose to Cleveland twice, and it's too tight. The Pacers you, are amazing. They're like what they're doing against a really tough schedule is, is. I mean, I know they're like they have that Baltimore Orioles, we're winning a bunch of close games mojo going on, but that doesn't make it less amazing because that's you know that team just isn't the third most talented team. I mean, not even close in, in the conference. And uh, so props to what they're doing over there. I would suggest that that might be Dwayne Casey's biggest competition for Coach of the Year. Yeah, I looked into that on, on Monday. And when, like, factoring in their the their current projected records and their preseason over-under, the only coach with, like, a bigger percentage bump, and this, again, has to do with how low the expectations were. It's easier to go from you know, supposed to be bad to being good than from being from being good to great. Like the percentage bump just has more room to grow. Uh, but Nate McMillan's the only coach who uh, has a bigger percentage bump in terms of that. Uh, shout out to George Carl's coaching tree. <laughs> yeah, and I guess you could make a good case for Quinn Snyder too if Utah ends up in one of these spots given how they started and how they've turned it around and their, their defense and all. But and the yeah, and the injury to Gobert that they had yeah. to deal with. Uh, that It's pretty remarkable, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, there are a lot of candidates, actually. Yeah, no, I think there's like, uh, I think there's like eight candidates who I, I wouldn't get mad over. I, I mean, I think my vote would go to Casey right now, but it, it's such a subjective award that, and this is essentially what I wrote, like I, you know, how, how do you compare these things? Like, I, I tried to put together some sort of metric, but it's just one metric, and it, it's not, you know, what is the coach of the year? Is it just the guy whose team 
overperforms by the most, it's got to be more than that, right? And yeah. and the more the more than that is impossible to quantify because we just don't see enough of what a coach does and what his staff does. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do feel like this exactly. award more than any other lends itself to not homerism, but being around the Raptors every day, you have a sense of the dramatic change the Raptors have gone through and the things Dwayne Casey's had to do, um, the buy-in he's had to foster. I, I do wonder, you know, if the people in Indiana feel the same way about the job Nate McMillan's done or the people in Utah with Quinn Snyder. Uh, I feel like this award lends itself more to the closer you are to a team, the more you can, the better you can evaluate the job a coach has done. Yeah, that's that's probably true. And again, it, uh, it also goes down to being able to put numbers to it because you know players players' performances are a lot easier to quantify with with uh, coaches. We pretty much have wins, you know, and and then that subjective stuff which you only get if you're playing paying super close attention. Well, wins uh, is the only stat that matters, Eric. So yeah. No, rings is the only stat that matters. Rings. Well, Dwayne Casey's got one of those, too. Yeah. Just, yeah. Not not with the Raptors. Uh, You know, if the Raptors made the NBA Finals, you know, the Golden State Warriors would be favored in that series. The Golden State Warriors might not get there. They probably will get there. The Houston Rockets, though, are two games up. Uh, The Golden State Warriors don't seem particularly interested in fighting for the one seed. Uh, Steph Curry's out at least another week with an ankle injury. Um, they're going to gear up in the playoffs. This is very much what we've seen from Cleveland in the last few years, only in the West. If Houston were to get to the finals, though, well, the Toronto Raptors are 2-0 against the Houston Rockets. And Friday's game was not only maybe the best game of the year and, and one of Drake's defining moments as global ambassador when he more or less guaranteed a, a victory against a team that had won 17 straight in the middle of the first quarter. Can we stop? Let, let's stop for a second. What a set of cojones on that dude to basically tempt fate with the MVP in the house. Yeah. Like with, with, uh, 30, with, with basically 40 minutes to go in the game. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. He just, he must've just known that James Harden and Chris Paul, you know, you put those guys under playoff like pressure and, you know, yeah, yeah. That, James Harden certainly wilted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He only had 40 Chris points on like 24 shots. Yeah, 22. Uh, yeah, he, he will. And Nord Powell did a, a very good job. He clearly he clearly wilted and, and succumbed to the deafening Eric Anderson crowd. Yeah. And Chris Paul, uh, you know, he didn't he didn't back down from it. He just got those Fred Van Vliet clamps. So, yeah, he was not good. Chris Paul, no. Um, okay, so coming from that game, obviously it was a lot of fun. It's great to beat a team as good and as hot as Houston. In terms of things you could take away from it, it sort of built more off of that on Tuesday against the Brooklyn Nets, who played five out almost the entire game. Dante Cunningham started at center. Um, Quincy Acey saw some minutes at center. Jaleel Okafor has, I don't know, disappeared somewhere. I'm not sure where he is anymore, uh, why he's not playing when even Jared Allen is out. But Brooklyn went five out most of the game. Houston didn't go straight five out. Clint Capella played a lot of minutes in that game, and he's a great role man, but he's not the five out type. But those are two very interesting matchups in terms of evaluating Jonas Valanciunas and his potential playability matchup by matchup in the playoffs. And Zach Lowe's great piece. He did what you and I kind of did in the in the last Raptors reason list and, and batted around the idea that the Raptors would eventually find their way to Serge Ibaka at the five. 
Um, I've been kind of uh, against that. You figure it'll happen at some point. Zach kind of was kind of like, okay, well, this was the assumption, and maybe they don't have to do that anymore. Uh, the last two, the, or not last two, the last Tuesday night and uh, Friday night, they were a nice window into what Jonas Valanciunas might look like in a matchup where, say, Kevin Love is the center, or Marquise Morris is the center, or Giannis Antetokounmpo is the center. Uh, did you walk away from this last chunk of games feeling more confident in Valanciunas playing no matter who the opponent is, less confident? Uh, I, I think, like, slightly more confident. Uh, the Brooklyn game, in some game, in some ways, was more illuminating uh, than the Houston game because there was, for the most, he did hide on, on quote unquote, hide on PJ Tucker. Uh, for some moments in the Houston game. Uh, but when Capella was out there, he was on there, and there was somebody for him to, you know, hang around when the pick and roll was set. Uh, and that was fine. And he did a, he was, he was very good defensively, uh, for what they asked him to do in that Houston game. Early in that Brooklyn game, you could see sort of the problems with a five out lineup. Uh, he's just, not capable of closing out and then adjusting and closing out again. Like, and to ask him to do so might be to, you know, ask him to tear some sort of ligament somewhere, which is, which is not what we want. Um, but the Nets, you know, who did go nine for nine for 13 in the first quarter. And as we mentioned, many of them were just, you know, heat check shots that kept going in. Uh, are not overall the best three-point shooting team in the league. They're one of the most willing three-point shooting teams in the league. Uh, but I think after the 9-for-13 start, they went 6-for-23, uh, which was fitting regression. Uh, so I do wonder what happens when you get a five-out lineup with a team that is average to good at a three-point, at, uh, at three-point shooting has a, you know, a very good creator uh, and Canfield, you know, a, a makeshift five-out lineup. Uh, there aren't that many teams like that. Even when Milwaukee, if and when they go to a five-out lineup with Giannis at center, they don't really have that, you know, the shooting. They're 23rd, I think, in, in shooting. And now they can put perimeter players. They can put Parker and, you know, if Brogdon's healthy and, uh, you know, Delhi and Bledsoe and uh, Middleton, like they have guys to do that. Um, but they're, they're not necessarily the best three point shooting team, but still, where does Jonas hang out in that lineup? You know, I, I would guess it would be covering Parker. And, and while you don't really worry about him lighting you up from deep, uh, that is obviously, a dribble penetration worry once the ball is swung to him and it limits the amount of switching you get. So I think the Raptors showed that their sort of conservative drop back schemes are a good weapon against those lineups. Uh, but I still believe there's, you know, a 50, 50 or greater chance that Jonas gets run out of certain games. And sh I should say not even run out shot out of certain games. Yeah, I don't know if I'm with you all the way. I think, uh, you know, I think they might be able to make like the the Bucks. Giannis at the five lineup is scary, obviously, um, but they've barely used it, and it would probably be a show me look when they're down. Um, 
And, I mean, you could always... I'm not saying you keep Valanciunas on the floor no matter what. I'm just saying, you know, Love at the five is probably the one that still worries the most. Yes. Um, I don't know. Bucks, Bucks with the honest at the five, obviously that was the nuclear option last year, and it is offensively for them. Um, the other way, you know, John Henson's pretty good, and I don't know... You know, Giannis can't really shoot, so there's not... I don't know. I'm probably trying to talk myself down out of it. but uh, Yeah, it's just like, where do you put him, right? You don't put yeah. him on Giannis. No, no. So, I'm just saying, so schematically, you, you know, you you sell out to keep Giannis from getting ahead of steam toward the rim, but you can go under on things, and um, you yeah. can still use that dropback scheme... Although Giannis hitting nine and ten foot floaters that his arms still touch the rim on is is probably unfair. Yeah, they should ban him. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So I I don't know. I thought the games were encouraging, at, at least. I th- I thought it was encouraging that the, the Raptors you know tilted their offensive approach when the Nets went five out. Valanciunas had almost a career high in possessions used. Uh, and it wasn't clearing out in the post and split cutting over top of him. It was using him on the short roll, um, letting him get position underneath before jump shots went up because he was the best best rebounder on the floor by a long shot. A um, couple hook shots, a couple yeah. of improvised post-ups. It, it wasn't just, you know, it was whatever they said on the broadcast, jam it down their throats, which is a term that we should maybe not be using on, on a broadcast. No, uh, it's not. It's not the greatest. Yeah, but it wasn't that. It wasn't uh, but, like let's run it back to 1960s. It was let's use this, you know, this center who's become multifaceted on offense. Let's use him in a couple different ways that take advantage of this matchup, rather than just gumming things up and making it simple for Brooklyn's defense by posting him up over and over again. Yeah, that was the issue for so long when Jonas wasn't playing down the stretch. It was, uh, or, or not down the stretch, but against those lineups and perimeter-oriented lineups. Uh, was can he do enough damage on the offensive end to make his presence worth it on the defensive end? Now, we both think that his defensive uh, attributes are coming a bit more to the forefront now, but they still never seem to take advantage of him, and he wasn't capable of doing it at that point. Like He just wasn't a good enough passer and didn't see the game well enough to really go to work. Uh, And to your point, they, they used him in so many different ways. And, and there was one play where Fred Van Vliet basically drove and took a layup that I'm pretty sure he knew had, you know, a 10 to 15 percent chance of going in. But there was one undersized net and Serge Ibaka and Jonas Valanciunas under the net. And, you know, it was like, here comes my chance for my Kobe assist. Um, so, uh, you know, it's. It's really nice to see them recognizing uh, the whole breadth of Valanciunas's offensive skill set because I think you know both player and team sort of pigeonholed pigeonholed him uh, as a you know he just didn't get the ball enough in screen situations frankly like yeah that that's basically it and I'm still not sure why but the season is showing the value of that. Yeah, so let's, I mean, anyone who's just taken a quick snapshot at the the box score stats maybe hasn't realized just how high a level Valanciunas has been playing at. Uh, his minutes are down a little bit, so it confuses the per games. Uh, but career high in points per 36, in usage rate, in true shooting percentage, uh, in total rebounding percentage and defensive rebounding percentage, 
in assist percentage by a large margin. Uh, and, yeah. And, I mean, all uh, you pick your advanced metric, and short of his 2015-16, uh, this is right there in terms of his best uh, best season by advanced metrics as well. So, time, time to freedom, I guess. No. No. You got to uh, – I guess that's the other thing we should talk about uh, before we get off of this and head over to BioSteel Center for the media game. Uh, you're playing, right? I am. Okay. I'm going to uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm chucking. Like, I have been like deathly ill for three days, so I'm already. Yeah, please don't guard, don't guard me. Yeah, please. I'm, I'm fretting. I, I'm always on the fence about these things because I don't want to be the guy who bails on something that we've been planning for a long time. But I also don't like being the guy who shows up sick to something and no one wants to be around him, and I'm coughing on the court and stuff. Just wear, get her uh, some sort of Richard Hamilton mask. What if I get one of those like uh, high altitude? training masks and then it keeps my terms and then you know also i get in really good shape for the 2020 media game yeah you basically was that when we're figuring the next one's happening yeah i'll I mean, take this one the... this one took three years to to play yeah. so i figure the next one will be two we'll speed it up but i'm interested yeah. to see what the teams are like i want to know sick or not i want to know who's getting these clamps um i heard there's a possibility of three teams because there was uh such a a high response rate. Uh, I was asked to be captain, and which I said absolutely not. <laughs> you don't want those problems. No, no. I I want to fit in. I don't want to, you know, be in charge. I don't want actual. I, I you know how I feel about making decisions. Yeah, I want to fit out. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what team I'm gonna. I don't know. I don't even know. So Lewenberg and Wolstad are the other two captains. I don't know. Yeah. What, I don't know what side I want on. I want Reynolds and Wolstadt to have to end up on the same team. Yeah. Uh, what were you going to ask me? Anything? Oh, I was going to bring up. Uh, you mentioned Tradem, and obviously the other option for. I'm not really in like look ahead to next off season mode yet because the playoffs are going to be so much fun, and I don't really want. Guys, we do, we do we do have some ability to live in the present. Not much. Yes. But so. I mean, I did write like 1,400 words on Fred Van Vliet's restricted free agency last week, so maybe I'm being disingenuous when I say I'm not focusing on the offseason yet. You were just you were responding to reader demand. Yeah, I was trying. Uh, anyway, this was supposed to be a segment to talk about Norman Powell, who for a minute looked like he was maybe rounding out of it. Uh, I thought he played great in the Detroit game. I thought he had a pretty good defensive night the game before that and did a decent enough job trying to slow Harden down and at least making it so the Raptors didn't have to send a ton of help. Uh, he has not been good in the two games since. I uh, didn't think he played well against the Knicks. Didn't think he played well against the Nets. Uh, he looks pretty frustrated again after his confidence seemed to be coming up a little bit. Um, do you think, you know, we don't have a status update on OG Ananobi. Do you think Malcolm Miller gets another crack in the starting lineup at any point, given the, the early hook Norm got on Tuesday? Uh, I, my bet is they stick with Powell for at least one or two more. I think they will want to give him that chance. And uh, there have been enough positive signs that I, I think, like beforehand when they were going back and forth, he really hadn't done much to deserve it. But he, he's sort of, you know, he has had those moments now. And with, I don't know, be theoretically coming closer to getting back, I, I think it becomes more paramount to... Uh, give him the first chance and give him a chance to uh, 
you know, it's not confidence isn't a thing to be permanently gained, but to get as much of that, uh, you know, in, uh, in store as possible. That doesn't make sense yeah, to, to really saying. get on. Yeah. To get on confidence his, for when he's called. Yeah. Uh, also potentially, potentially arguing in that favor. Uh, Norman Powell has had some moments against the Pacers, obviously game five, two years ago, uh, where he swung that game and the series and maybe the entire future of the entire franchise. Uh, also earlier this year in the earlier meeting, OG Ananobi was starting. Norman Powell was just back from injury. Victor Oladipo um, had 21 in that game, which is you know reasonable enough. He was 8 of 15. Norman Powell off the bench had 16 points and a plus 16 in 27 minutes. So, um, yeah. I mean, he's had some games against Indiana. This probably means nothing. They're probably just two random games, but... Yeah. Yeah, I'd... I'd... Show him the game I mean, for the last know. meeting, and maybe he gets that, you know, maybe banks some of that confidence that you're talking about. Yeah, I think I think he gets the run, but, you know, like, they've been going to Miller still at the end of the first half, and obviously he was the quick pull on Tuesday uh, for the plus 31 Fred Van Vliet. Maybe they should just start him. Well, we've talked about starting Wright before, right? I, uh, yeah. But Wright has a lot more not- positional size. Yeah, I'm still not against that, but I don't see it happening. So yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think Fred VanVleet starting is uh, going to be much of an option. But yeah, no, I, I don't actually think they should start him. But uh, you know, I'm sure he'd do great because yeah. one does do great. Yeah, he's uh, still second in the league in net rating, and we have almost an he entire season of sample now. He didn't pass Curry last night. Uh, I hadn't checked. Okay. He was second going into last night, but he was a couple decimal points behind, and I don't know if that would have been enough. Uh, let me check for you. This I is, feel like this we is have always... one more thing we were supposed to talk about. I don't know. It's not like we prepare for these things. Yeah. Well, we, we talked about topics off the top. Yeah, no, I think we covered what we said we wanted to talk about. Oh, that's good. Uh yeah, it's oh Van Vliet has the lead. Oh, there we go. He's he's point five ahead of Steph Curry now. Nice. Well, there you go. Do you think think he has a legitimate chance at getting most improved or sixth man, or is it like Raptors are going to split votes too much? Uh, I think Lou Williams is getting sixth man. Um, yeah. And I don't think there's any doubt there. Most improved. I don't know. I don't know how people view that award. Yeah, uh, it's I haven't. Still, it's, I haven't. I haven't really looked at that award either, so I couldn't like hazard a guess. And I mean, my, like, my guess is and, and his improvement. Is, yeah, that I, I think that's the type of jump that usually gets it from like average player to all star. That yeah. that will do it. I know. Often, I know. Uh, uh, our friend Jay uh, yeah. of the starters hates. Go ahead. So, yeah, I, was, I know Skeets hates the award because so many times a second-year player will get it and they're just expected to improve. And, like, in Van Vliet's case, you know, there wasn't even a sample from last year to say he improved on. Maybe he just got played. Exactly. Though. That's that's sort of my – like, he didn't play last year and now he's playing and he's good. And he's been good almost all season. And, yeah. Siakam so, might have a better I, case I, I, through that lens. Yeah, because there's just more of a sample in his in his rookie season. I don't think he's going to win it either. No. Uh, I think and I think if you're gonna if the Raptors are gonna push out 
push their uh, sixth man of the year promotions to any one candidate. They might as well do it for Fred uh, since he's gotten all this pub uh, and he can finish like second or third in sixth man of the year. And I, that, I'm that, still on the train of not, the Atlanta Hawks entire starting lineup won a player of the month award once. The Toronto Raptors' entire bench unit can share a six-man-of-the-year award. They're the best bench maybe of all time. Yeah, but I don't, I, I'm don't. i pretty sure the rules restrict people from voting like that. I do not care about the rules, Eric. Yeah. yeah As you're, someone who doesn't have a vote, I don't have, to, I don't have to follow the rules. You're just like Braun Strowman in that regard, Blake. Yes. If I want to challenge all the tag teams, one on eight or one on 12, to get my ticket to WrestleMania, I will do that. Yeah. I'm not finished with you, Eric. <laughs> uh, I am finished with this uh, podcast, though. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll see you maybe in uh, in a few hours. Yeah, I'll see you for the game. I'm gonna go. I, I can't imagine I'm gonna play very well, but I try to drink some tea and take some meds and fight through it. Yeah, um, just don't guard me again, please. Oh, I'll just I if I do though. Now that you know that I'm not feeling well, I'm totally gonna like fake cough and fake sneeze to throw you off your game. Yeah, I, not that I, I need an advantage play. like that, which we learned the other week. But yeah, I'm gonna play 15 feet beyond the three point arc. Just put myself in unshootable uh, situations, just so you can collapse and I cannot get sick. Yeah, there you go. All right, man. Um, we'll do this again. I don't know what the schedule is like for next week, but we'll do it again sometime early next week. They have they have Tuesday, Wednesday back to back next week, so All probably right, so. Monday Monday for Tuesday, I'm guessing. Yeah, that makes sense because they're they're at home. Will they be home to practice Monday? Yeah, probably. Okay. All right, we'll probably Unless do it Monday. We'll, we'll talk to you guys on Monday or Tuesday then. Um, thanks so much for listening, Eric. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, and thank you, listeners. If only to be a reasonable man.